How do you do, mentors? Our guest today is the coach to successful leaders and CEOs. Yes, I'm talking about the Marshall Goldsmith, the number one leadership thinker in the entire world. So please listen and enjoy. With Trent the Jet, they like agents on top of pavements, peppermint patty fragrance. Taking the credits when they spits and spritz a chip and dip a dip and there I pin the tear. Death throw the penalty ID, throwing identity theft crime in the night. Pick pop keys the lock, stop drop roll the dice, double double dough eat the rock road. Rochambeau tic tac toe crossing over roll with the nice flow with my industry. See me room room play monopoly with my commodities. Stop the eyes and cross the teeth teeth. How do you do, Venters? So today we are blessed to um, have our guests be um, a coach of the likes of Fortune 500 executives and business icons. So I'm in the lovely city, beautiful city of San Diego, California today, and I'm sitting with the highly sought after and renowned business coach and guru, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. So um, Marshall, I may call you Marshall, right? Yes. Marshall, please. Um, and thank you for being here with oh, us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right, great. So let's get started. So we always like to start in the humble beginning. So tell us, um, what did you learn as a young boy growing up in Valley Station, Kentucky? Hmm. And what things do you still apply to um, your coaching today that you might have learned as a kid down in, in Valley Station? I'll tell you one story. I was 14 years old. And we were very poor. Uh, the middle school down the street from my house, um, we came in next to last in Kentucky in academic achievement last year. So that puts it in context. Mm -hmm. That means we got our butt kicked by Appalachia. So, you know, this was not Harvard prep. First four years of school, we had an outhouse. So, you know, you're in my house right now. It's a little different. Yeah. Um, well, I'm 14 years old and the roof is leaking. And we didn't much money, and we got to get the roof fixed. So Dad hires a man named Dennis Mudd to fix the roof. Well, to save money, Dad had me help Dennis Mudd with the roof. And I was 14 years old, attitudinally challenged. <laughs> so I was there helping Dennis Mudd. He was so proud, and he did his best to make this nice roof. And then um, when the roof was done, he looked at my dad. My dad's name's Bill, and I was very proud of the roof. And he said, you know, Bill, I want you to inspect this roof. If this roof is of high quality, I want you to pay me. If not, it's free. I was 14. I looked at Dennis Mudd and I said, this guy's poor, but he's not cheap. This guy's got class. I said, I want to be like Dennis Mudd when I grow up. Well, in my coaching, I don't get paid for my clients don't get better. Mm -hmm. Better is not judged by me or them, it's judged by everyone around them. And where did I learn that? I learned that from Dennis Mudd back in Valley Station, Kentucky at age 14. I don't think I've ever had as much class as Dennis Mudd has. Why? Uh, if I don't get paid, look around, my life's probably gonna go on just fine. Yes. Dennis Mudd needed the money. He needed that money, but he was honest. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, that guy's got class. So a 14-year-old boy, that's something I never forgot. And it also showed that Dennis had confidence in, in his work. He in believed work. in what he was doing. Yes. By the way, there's a way you can test if someone believes what you're doing. 
believes what they're saying. You can ask a person one question and instantly determine their level of belief. I've never seen the question fail. What's the question? Want to bet on it? Hmm. They say, I believe it, but I don't want to bet on it. They don't believe it. Wow. They say, here's the money. They believe it. I bet on what I do every time. Okay. Great. That's, um, I like that because I always, from time to time, even my kids will want to bet me. Yeah. And I would always say, I only bet on things that, that I know that is right, right? Of course. So, yeah, so yeah, that's that's so, why you can tell. Yeah, so back <laughs> up. It's like, okay, they, they don't believe in it. So great advice there. Um, so did you have any siblings growing up or was it just no, you? Just okay, because I'm going to say, why were you the one picked to, to really um, help with, with the roofing situation? But it was only... Um, no, I was, yeah. And, you know, my mother, um, my mother went to college for two years. And... She taught little kids, but my dad had the silly idea women shouldn't work, so the bad news, we had to be poor. The good news is, of all of her energy, was teaching me. Mm-hmm. So I knew how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide before I went to school. Wow. So I had a huge, huge head start as a kid. That is awesome. So let's take the dichotomy here of being poor to some of your clients being very wealthy. How, how do you go about helping an individual that has all the money in the world, but um, what what do you bring them? What what type of value do you bring them when they have all the money in the world? Well, my job is I help very successful leaders achieve positive long-term change in behavior for themselves, for their people, and for their teams. So I'm not in the finance business. I'm in the behavior business, and I only work with people who care. So I don't try to convince anyone to do anything. Now, the irony in my business is the people that want help the most tend to be the people that need help the least. Uh, <laughs> look at my coaching clients. Uh, one of them, Frances Hesselbein, she won the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Alan Mulally, CEO of the Year in the United States. Uh, Fred Hassan, probably the greatest leader in history of the pharmaceutical industry. These are the kind of people that always want to get better. And one thing I'm very proud of in my book, Triggers, 27 major CEOs endorsed that book. Now, why am I proud of that? 30 years ago, no CEO would admit to having a coach. Mm. They would have been ashamed to have a coach. They would have thought, why do I need a coach? Well, today, these people all have a coach, right? Yes. And they're not ashamed of it. They're proud of it. Hey, Wimbledon was today. How many of the top 10 tennis players have coaches? You know what the answer is? Of course, they all have coaches. Yes. But not because they're losers. It's because they're winners. So with all that said, that, that was, leads me into one of my questions. Who is currently your coach or mentor? Well, I, it's kind of different. I pay someone to call me on the phone every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. I need a lot of help. So I have somebody call me daily. And every day she listens to me read questions I wrote and provide answers I wrote every day. Now, why do I do this every day? Uh... Somebody said, why do you do this? Don't you know the theory about how to change behavior? I wrote the theory about how to change behavior. That's why I do it. Mm-hmm. See, my name is Marshall Goldsmith. I got ranked number one executive coach and number one leadership thinker in the whole world. I have a woman call me up every day to help me go through this daily question process. Why do I do this? I'm too cowardly to do it by myself. I'm too undisciplined to do it by myself. I need help. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Yeah. See, once we admit we all need help, life's better. The, is it a young lady who calls you every day? Yeah. 
is how long has that person has it been the same person over the years? Uh, different switched? people. I've been doing okay. this twenty seven years. Okay, so strategically, and, you pick this person, yeah, or? and just sort of, she's one of my hundred coaches. I've got this project where I'm adopting people, so she's mm-hmm. one of the people. She just volunteered to do it. And yeah, I ask her questions every day, and she asks me questions every day. There you go. So, if you had to give up. Can we call her an accountability partner? Yeah, exactly. So if you have to give up one, an accountability partner or a collaborative partner, which one would it be? I'd obviously why? give up the collaborative partner because I have an accountability partner. To me, uh-huh. I don't really need somebody to tell me what I need to do. I kind of figured that out. I need somebody to help me do it. Mm. I need somebody to help me do it. Uh, Twyla Tharps, the world's greatest choreographer. She's the same way. She's the same personal trainer for 27 years. Why? She's too undisciplined and she's too cowardly to do it by herself. Same as me. Mm-hmm. See, uh, to me, a lot of life is just accountability and admitting it's hard and discipline. You know, what I do takes three, the people I coach, three characteristics are the ones that get better courage, humility, and discipline. It takes courage to look in the mirror, hmm. it takes humility, and it takes discipline. I have this process called the daily question process. It's very simple, any of your listeners can do it. Uh, it takes four minutes a day, costs nothing, and help me get better at anything. Some people are skeptical. Four minutes a day, costs nothing, help me get better at almost anything. Sounds too good to be true. Half the people quit within two weeks. They don't quit because it doesn't work. They quit because it does work. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is get out a spreadsheet, one column, write down a series of questions that represent what's most important in your life. Friends, family, health, work, whatever it is. Seven boxes across, one for every day of the week. Every question is answered with a yes, a no, or a number. End of the week, the spreadsheet gives you a report card. I will warn your listeners in advance. The report card at the end of the week might not be quite as beautiful as a corporate values plaque you see stuck up on the wall. I've been doing this for years. You learn one thing. You learn life is incredibly easy to talk. Life's incredibly difficult to live. Hmm. When you do this every day, you don't look at those talk values. Those are pretty. Look at those live values. No. Seldom quite as beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) We all got a big gap between that talk and live thing. (laughs) (laughs) So with that said, and I don't, I I call it a philosophy. So let's let's say that. So one of your philosophies would be, obviously, the title of one of your books, "What Got You Here Won't Get You There." Right. Is that the same notion as the level of thinking that created your problem won't solve your problem? Is that? Well, sort of. I mean. It could mean that, and it also means that whatever got you to the level of success you're experiencing in life is good. But that doesn't mean it's going to get you to that next level. Uh, For example, one of the biggest challenges I have is people are just geared to proving how smart we are and right we are over and over and over again. And when you're an achiever, that's fine. When you're a leader, that doesn't work at all. For the great achiever, it's all about me, and for the great leader, it's all about them. It's very hard to make this transition because what got you here as a great achiever is being smart and proving how smart you are and passing tests and all that other stuff. Well, to be a great CEO, you got to let go of that stuff. You got to quit being the smartest person in the room. You got to help them be winners. And that is an incredibly difficult transition. It's incredibly difficult because we're so geared to prove we're right, to prove we're smart 
over and over again to justify our existence. Hard to stop. Wow. That's, um, why are we wired that way? I mean, have you done enough research? Well, you look at your whole history. You went to school, right? Yes. What did you do? You took tests. Mm-hmm. How many? Thousands. Over and over and over you were tested. Over and over. Try to prove how smart you were. Yeah. Hard to stop. <laughs> Once you get started, pretty hard to start stop that. Hard to stop that stuff. That is funny. So, when you're, when you are training leaders who who are already leaders, right? Um, big leaders, in my case. What type of leaders? Big leaders. Big leaders. All right, great. And we know that humans are learning machines. Right. All right. So. They say that you can harness the power of, of the human cloud, as opposed to like the cloud you know, on computers, or whatever, as long as you keep the humans involved. Hmm. So is the X factor in scaling a company or organization, is, is the X factor, X factor the human variable? Well, that's that? all I deal with. And I'm not an expert on companies or organizations. I just help individual leaders achieve positive long-term change of behavior or maybe their people or their teams, but I don't work in whole organizations. And I only work with people who care. I'm not in the motivational business or the inspiration business. I learned a hard lesson. See, I don't get paid for people that don't get better. I, you get paid for results, you get some humility. You know what I quickly learned? I learned that my name is Marshall Goldsmith, not Jesus Christ. Mm. So I'm not in that savior business. So I'll leave that to others. I'm not in the motivation business. I'm not in the savior business. I work with people that care. If they don't care, it's okay. I'm not here to judge. I just don't spend any time with them. Yeah. That would be, sounds like that's a great place to be, to work with people who care. Because as I said in the introduction, you're highly sought after. So obviously the people that care are calling you. That's right? it. You're not out there calling anybody, right? They, they all know of you and they all are, are, are seeking you. It, now, it, it could be the same attitude as Dennis if, hey, if, if I don't improve whatever my business is or whatever you hired me to do, then you don't have to pay. That's right. Is, is that the best way to get to the point where you are, where you know, we're all can just work with people who, who care and want well, to... Well, you see, in my coaching, I don't get paid if they don't get better. And the client I spent the most amount of time with didn't improve at all. The client I spent the least amount of time with improved more than anyone I've ever coached. That's a humbling lesson. I made a chart on one dimension called time spent with Marshall Goldsmith. The other dimension called improvement. There's a clear negative correlation between spending time with me and getting better. I thought this is a troubling chart. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to get paid too much. Yeah, I'll go talk to my client who improved the most, has spent the least amount of time with. And I showed him my chart. I said, you know, the way this chart looks, said, I never met you, you'd really be good. So I asked him, what should I learn about coaching from you? And his name's Alan Mulally, who was the CEO of the year in the United States, ranked number three greatest leader in the world. He said, Marshall, your biggest job as a coach is customer selection. You pick the right customer, you win. You always win. You pick the wrong customer, you lose. And he said, never make coaching about yourself, your ego, and how smart you think you are. Make it about those great people you work with and how proud you are of them, how hard they work. Then he said to the CEO Ford, my job wasn't that different. He said, I don't design the cars. I don't build the cars. I don't sell the cars. You've got to have great people. 
said every day I drove to work, I told myself, well, leadership's not about me. Leadership's about them. You know what I learned about coaching? It's not about me. It's about them. And the second they make it about me, it's just a coach critique. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to improve. They're just judging me. What I tell my clients is, I don't get paid because I'm good. I get paid because you're good. And, you know, I don't get paid because I'm a good coach. Let's say I'm the worst coach in the world and you get better. Who cares? Let's say I'm the best coach in the world and you don't get better. Who cares? It's not a contest of me being a good coach. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to help you. And so we hear that a lot about if, because obviously you do a lot of the seminars, right, where you're training per se. Yep. And they would say that you you don't really get any better for going to a training, nor do you get any worse at going to a training. The What's pivotal about that is the action steps that you take after that training and the things that you do. Exactly so right. You say that you really are not there to motivate your clients and their employees, um, but what are some some hacks, so to speak, for some of some of us that might be in the, the training industry to that? that how, how do we get them to, to take the action steps? Well, after I, wrote, they I wrote an article about this called Leadership's Context Board: The Impact of Feedback and Follow Up on Leadership Effectiveness, which makes your point. The key variables: follow up. If you don't follow up, you don't get better. I've got research from thousands and thousands of people to prove this. It's not a theory; it's a fact. And the way my process works is you get confidential feedback from everybody around you. You pick important behavior to improve. You talk to people about what you learn. You apologize for your mistakes. You pick one or two things to get better. You ask for their input. I believe in something called feed forward, not feedback about the past, ideas for the future. You listen, you follow up on a regular basis, get progress reports, and you measure do you improve. That's what I do for a living, and I've done that around the world with thousands and thousands of people who've been through my process, and pretty much always works if you do it. Mm -hmm. Shockingly, it really doesn't work well if you don't do it. <laughs> so it's the feed forward part that's integral in Feed what forward. You now, I'm a Buddhist. Buddhist said, only do what I teach if it works for you. Well, feed forward, you get confidential feedback. Feedback helps you know where you are. Then after that, everything is feed forward. You ask for ideas, not feedback about the past, ideas for the future. You listen in a non-defensive way. You thank people. Never promise to do everything people say. Leadership's not a popularity contest. Just promise to listen, think about it, and follow up over and over again. And I teach this feed forward process in classes. I've done this with six people. In November, I did this with 20,000 people in Moscow. Went through the same feed forward process, 20,000. At the it's, same time? At the Olympic Stadium, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Live, 20,000 people, and they loved it. It's a very positive process. You ask for input. My name is, I want to get better at, give me ideas. Thank you, shake hands. You have to say thank you. The other person says, my name is, I want to get better at, give me ideas. They shake hands. They keep talking to people mm -hmm. over and over. Talk so to as many a, people as you can, five or 10 minutes. It's a great process. So it's a speed dating mastermind session sounds like sort of like that yeah. <laughs> that's awesome um we're sitting right now in, in your library and so one of the things that i want to ask you is you know when you think about your clients and obviously very high performing individuals um would you say that they have large libraries 
versus large televisions. And Oh, I'd say they don't watch much television. They might be online a lot, but they don't watch much television. These people are busy people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they, they may or may not read a lot, but they definitely don't watch a lot of TV. Yeah. Yeah. They don't waste time. Exactly. Uh, I wrote an article about this 20 years ago. I said, within 20 years, media addiction will far surpass drug addiction and alcohol addiction combines the social priority there. Media addiction is a disaster in our society. Is that including social media? Uh, Facebook, yeah. Okay. A total waste of time. And so, um, I don't know if you know this, what's the number one most visited site in, uh, visited channel on YouTube a couple of years ago at least? You know what it was? PewDiePie. Some, what is that? PewDiePie, some racist, <laughs> racist Swedish guy who's very sarcastic playing video games. You know how many people watched him play video games? 17 billion visits. Billion, not a million. Billion. Wow. Number two, World Wrestling. World Wrestling. 16 billion visits. It's like a yeah. drug. Yeah, I mean, wrestling has always been popular even when we were, were children for, for some reason. So. so there's some reason, 16 billion visits. So again, one thing I teach people is live your own life. Mm -hmm. Don't live a great life. Don't watch Judy Pie and World Wrestling. <laughs> or, my neighbor in New York was a young woman named Lindsay Lohan. You ever heard of Lindsay Lohan? The, the, the actress? actress? Yeah, the, you've heard the, of the the, Yes. Yeah, how many billions of hours have been spent people reading Lindsay Lohan got drunk and Lindsay Lohan got stoned and she was in a car wreck? You know, I always tell people in my classes, you ever think my neighbor Lindsay Lohan is a loser? I want you remember one thing. She is not wasting her life reading about you. Uh, Who's the loser? Yeah. Yeah, she's at least her life. Yeah, so you want to have a great life, live your own life. Mm -hmm. Don't live the sport team's life or Lindsay Lohan's life or wow. the politician's life. I don't care about you. Live your own life. So that means you're not into sports? I try not to spend a lot of time in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not your life. There you go. Yeah, they don't care about you. I, I totally agree. Yeah. You can find um, better things to do with your time than to commit yeah, exactly. every Sunday. Right? I know some individuals that will not take a business meeting right on a Sunday because they have to watch their... Yeah, and again, football. I'm not here to judge other people. Yes. They can do whatever they want to do. On the other hand, that's probably not the best use of your time. <laughs> exactly. Um, want to get back to, um, how did you become a Buddhist? How did that well, I was, you know, I was hippie in the 60s, and, and you're a little young for that, but I was what was called hippie. I studied all kinds of religion and philosophy, so I've been a Buddhist for 40, 41 years or so, and my school of Buddhism is not religious, it's philosophical. So Buddha was brought up very rich and, and lived in a castle. And his father tried to protect him, the king. Three times he was able to sneak out of that castle. He learned three things. Number one, you get old. Number two, you get sick. And number three, you die. <laughs> you get old, you get sick, and you die, and you have all the money in the world. You still get old, you still get sick, and you still die. Buddha thought, I can't be happy with more. This doesn't work. Tried to be happy with less. He went out and starved himself, and you know what he learned? Can't be happy with less. Finally learned something. Can't be happy with more, can't be happy with less. There's only one thing you can ever find peace and happiness with, what you have. Mm. There's only one place you can ever find peace and happiness, 
here. There's only one time you can do it, now. So look around, my philosophy, this is heaven and this is hell. And this is nirvana, it's not out there someplace. Yeah. It's all right here. All right there. Let's get into, there's a few segments that we do on Heavy Vent with Trent the Gent. So let's do one now and it's called Fill in the Blank. Sure. So I'm just gonna ask you one or two words and then you're gonna fill in the blank. So don't stop. Thinking about tomorrow. <laughs> you're the second person that's ever said that, so I, I love that. Um, but is that your true answer, or was that just oh, instinctive? Well, your intro there's like a song. You yes, don't stop. Exactly. Yeah, no. Thinking about tomorrow. Uh, I think that's a good philosophy, because we tend to go, don't sacrifice um, tomorrow on the altar of today. Very important to keep challenging yourself and look and say, what's that big picture out there? What do I want to be? How can I avoid regret? And a good way to think about that is think about when you're old. What would be important to you? And are you doing that right now? Are you living a life that you're not going to have regret? You're not going to sit there and say, I wish I would have. Second one. You can blank. Change if you want to. Okay. Um, are you, I have some individuals that will tell me people never change. And they're wrong. Okay. Because you know what? Were they ranked world's number one executive coach? I don't think so. Mm. I was. Do they have research from tens of thousands of people that did change? No, I do. So on this one, I kind of go with me on this one over yeah. them. And whoever <laughs> told you that, right, they're not in my business. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've got research from tens of thousands of people that says they're wrong. Mm -hmm. We can all change. Unless you have an incurable genetic defect. I mean, you can't make yourself taller. Or you can't change something that's genetically inherent in your genes. Other than that, in terms of behavior, you can change almost anything. Yeah. If you want to change. Let me ask you a question. For example, some people say I'm a bad listener. Bad listener. Okay. I, 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 I say, say this about you? Or no, is this people in general, just generally okay. bad listener. You know, I say, okay, if I put a gun to your head and said, if you don't listen, I'm going to blow your brains out, could you be a good listener? They say, yes. Well, I guess you could change then, couldn't you? Yeah. That's a simple question. If you put a gun to your head, could you do it? If the answer is yes, you can do it. You can change. You just haven't done it. Now, if the, sometimes the answer is no. If you put a gun to my head and said, if you don't speak fluent Chinese, I'm going to blow your brains out, I'd say, okay, shoot away. Good I can't question. start speaking fluent Chinese in a day. On the other hand, the stuff I work on, you can change all that stuff. Mm -hmm. If you didn't, I wouldn't get paid. Speaking of songs, going back to songs, one of my favorite songs, you know Olita Adams? Uh, well, she sings a version of Everything Must Change. You yeah. know, Everything Must Change. And so, um, so you're right. Um, you can change. Third question. Conversations are blank. Possibly useful. Hmm. All right, you got to explain what you said. Possibly. Possibly. I think conversation can be very useful and helpful in life, and conversations can be completely dysfunctional. So I don't think there's anything good or bad about conversations. Uh, you could have totally useless conversations that lead you down a rat hole, or worse. Or you could have fantastic conversations. And when I go trigger, I talk about the triggers, I talk about the environment. And the environment can be incredibly positive or negative. 
you can have conversations that really help you become the person you want to be. In most cases, you can have conversations that distract you from coming, becoming the person you want to be. Yeah. There's nothing inherently good or bad about conversations. It's ask yourself, who do I want to be? And is this conversation pushing me toward becoming that person? Or is this conversation pushing me in the opposite direction? Yeah. yeah I think most people don't think about that. And even if it's gossip, obviously that's taking them in the, in the wrong direction. Yeah, one of the things I talk about, one of my daily questions is, uh, how many angry or destructive comments did you make about other people yesterday? Well, if we believe in treating people with respect, why we stab them in the back? I ask one question in all my classes, what percent of all interpersonal communication time is spent on A, people talking about how smart, special, and wonderful they are, or listening to that, plus B, people talking about how stupid and after bad somebody else is, listening to that, and the answer to this, Average answer around the world, 65%. 65%. Cut that out, life is a lot better. We have a, another fill in the blank, but I want to get to, you, you mentioned the six daily questions. Hmm. Um, can you share those of course. with us really quickly, and then I'll Yeah, out. now each of these questions begin with the phrase, did I do my best to? If you just ask yourself these six questions every day, you'll be amazed how well this works. They all start with, did I do my best to? Number one, did I do my best to set clear goals for the day? Number two, did I do my best to make progress toward achieving my own goals? Rather than waiting for somebody else to do this for us, did we do it ourselves? Number three, did I do my best to find meaning? Rather than saying, did somebody give me meaning, did I do my best to create meaning? Number four, did I do my best to be happy? Rather than saying, did somebody make me happy, did I do my best to make myself happy? Number five, did I do my best to build positive relationships? Rather than saying, you know, were other people nice to me? Was I good to other people? And then finally, number six, did I, did I do my best to be fully engaged? Now, our research on this is amazing. Just ask yourself these six questions every day. It's amazing how much better people's lives get. It's hard to do this. These are my first six questions every day. Why? All these questions begin with that phrase, did I do my best to? The hardest question you can test yourself on every day has four qualities. Number one, you write the question. Now, why is that hard? You can't blame the idiot that wrote the question. <laughs> Number two, you know the answer. Why is that hard? The answer to, did I do my best? Yeah, you know the answer okay. is, you know, you know it's, and you know it's important. Number three, mm -hmm. and all you got to do is try. Now, why is that hard? Nobody to blame. See, it's so much more fun blaming everybody else. That's fun. Let's talk about my problems and blame them. That's so much fun. It's a lot harder to look in that mirror and say, you know, let's look in the mirror and blame me. I've been doing this daily question thing for 20-something years, and I pretty much found every day the source of almost all my problems. All i got to do is look right in the mirror. And you never missed a day. Oh, I missed some days. <laughs> okay, I'm not yeah, sure. I missed some days. <laughs> I, I look in the mirror, though. Where is where is my problem? It's usually that guy staring right back at me. That's that's the source of pretty much all my problems. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's circle back to the fill in the blank, because especially since you mentioned the word happy. So normally I just have those three fill in the blanks, but I, I threw in a bonus one for you. Good. So, <laughs> so I will be happy when. Blank. Now, 
was for, for you because that's your that's your it. Phrase. Great Western disease. I'll be happy when I get the money status. BMW condominium. I will be happy when. We all get the same win. My whole philosophy of life is be happy now. A lot of Western people, it's a very hard concept to understand. They think that means you have to be happy forever. Wrong. It's only one second you need to learn to be happy. Now. And now let's analyze now. We're sitting here in this nice library. Right. Nice place or not? What very nice. Friendly Buddhist coach guy. Yes. How's life? Excellent. Life's so good. Yes. And <laughs> 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 we're happy now. Be happy and, now. And we're, we're laughing. And That's right. We're in the moment. It's all good. And we'll, we'll be happy. It's a great rock song. Too. Called All Right Now. Well, Don't I'm wait. Say, oh, yeah. I'm going to say you have to sing Don't that one. Don't hesitate. Let's move before they raise the parking rate. <laughs> Great song. <laughs> Who sings that one? Free, yeah, F-R-E. F-R-E-E. Free, yeah. yeah, all right now. Great song. I, I did not know that one. I'm not really big on the rock. Yeah. Um, you talked about goals, right? And I think goal setting is, is very important. And um, just moving your careers along and just whatever it is that, that you set your mind to do. You need to, you know, write down your goals, yeah. and you need to attack them and have some action items to, to get somebody to help get, you. And get someone to help you. So, with that said, I, I did ask you if you had a coach or mentor, and then you told me about your accountability partner who calls you on a daily basis. Right. But relative to your goals, what are you committed to do for the rest of this year? And into twenty nineteen, what, what what are some of your goals, and what are what are you? Well, I got two two more books to get done. And you're currently working on those right now. Yeah, one of them is called a Stakeholder Centered Leadership, which is kind of a summary of what I do. I'm trying to get that one done, and then the other one is uh, called Leading Your Own Life. That's with my friend Mark Ryder. He's my he's my uh, agent. He uh, I've done three big big selling books, and he wrote all the books. So I, the key to writing a New York Times best-selling book is find somebody to write and have them write the book. Much better. So he's my agent and he <laughs> writes the book. I talk, he writes, I talk, okay. he writes. We have a great relationship, split everything 50-50. And, you know, we've sold two million books together. And uh, he's a good writer. I could not write the book. I just did a book called How Women Rise with Sally Helgeson, too. Mm -hmm. Excellent book. I didn't write that book either. So I can brag but, about the writing. But you, but spoke, but you spoke the words. In well, some of in her in that book, she actually she had more of the content okay. than me. I did a little bit. I'm the second author. Okay. She's the lead author. Mm -hmm. I helped a little bit. Yeah, but there's no, there's never been any ghost writing type things. I mean, obviously. Well, my friend Mark Ryder, he his name's on the books. Yes. Not a secret. It, it, exactly. If it were a secret, I wouldn't be telling you. Right now. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So I'm saying, but so well, normally we all need help. But right? Mark. That's, that's what I believe. He can write better than me. There, so, hey, we all need help and it's okay. Makes sense. Now, is there anything you need to improve in yourself that you haven't fixed in 20, 30 years? What's one thing? Give me something. One thing that I need to improve. Probably to be less cocky, maybe. All right. Okay, stop. Okay. That's that, fine. Is that a good one? That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> raise your right hand and repeat it for me. Okay. My name's Trent. My name is Trent. I need to be less cocky. I need to be less cocky. I had not fixed this by myself in decades. I have not fixed this by myself in decades. Who am I kidding? 
Who am I kidding? I'm not going to fix this by myself in the future. I'm not going to fix this by myself. In the future. In the future. I need help. I need help. And it's okay. And it's okay. There you go. Thank you. If you hadn't fixed anything in 20 years, why do you think next week's going to be different? Mm -hmm. It's not. Now, is that a pledge that one should remember and look in the mirror and do it? We all need help. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Yeah. Let's get back to... um, Actually, now, I read something that you, and you didn't mention it when we spoke before we went on um, on air here. Did you major with some type of mathematics? Yeah, yeah, my undergraduate degree. All right, good. So yeah, undergraduate degree. Okay, you didn't mention that, so I just want to make sure that mathematics. Was, was true, because everything right. on um, Wikipedia is not, not true. Although, I didn't see anything yet. I don't think you have a Wikipedia page for whatever I do, I do. Oh, it's, you did? Okay. It's all true. Well, darn. I think <laughs> as far as I know. You know. So, uh, so, I saw a quote recently from Einstein. So I figured since you are into the mathematics, you probably can help me decipher this quote. Okay. Um, so he said, as far as the laws of mathematics refer to reality, hmm. they are not certain. Hmm. And as far as they are certain, they do not refer to reality. I have no idea what that meant. We, we can call it this segment meant, meant with Trent the Gent because sometimes we do you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we call it meant. So, what did, in, in your opinion, what did Einstein mean by that? Well, I'm going to talk about Peter Drucker, what he taught me, the world's greatest authority on management, uh, founder of modern management, the name Peter Drucker. Mm-hmm. He taught me many great lessons. He was a mentor of mine before he died. And he said, You know, uh, our mission in life is to make a positive difference, not to prove we're smart or right. People get lost in logic, that mathematical logic. He said, decisions aren't made based on logic or rationality or fairness. Whoever has the power to make the decision is going to make the decision, make peace with that. It has nothing to do with fair and smart and right. And he said, if I need to influence you and you have the power to make the decision, I need to influence you to make a positive difference. There's one word to describe you, customer. One word to describe me, salesperson. You don't have to buy. Have to sell. Sell what you can sell. Change what you can change. If you can sell it, sell it. Change it, change it. Can't sell it, can't change it. Take a deep breath and let it go. (laughs) Do what you can do. And decisions have nothing to do with mathematics or logic or rationality or fairness. Decisions are made based on whoever has the power to make the decision. And a lot of times those people are crazy. Have you ever had this thought before? You tell me. I'm amazed that someone at that level, followed by his weird, crazy acts like an idiot. Have you ever had such thoughts in the past? Yes, I have. You've had these thoughts. Yes. The main reason to tell people has nothing to do with money or status or getting ahead. The main reason to tell people is much deeper. A 95-year-old, you'll be proud of you because you did and disappointed if you don't. And the final advice also saying, go for it. Your world's changing, industry's changing, do what you think is right. May not win, at least you tried. Old people, we almost never regret the risk we take and fail. We all regret the risk we failed to take. And I had a wonderful time talking with you, and I hope my little talk is useful to your listeners. It is. Could I do one thing, though? <laughs> and I hate to do this to you, but when we took our little break, yeah, I, I, I want to go back to the, the photo of the, um, of the little boy. In, yeah. Is that Africa? Yeah. Yeah. Can, can you... Go over that, that photo one, one more time for, for me, well, we please. Luck, right? Yeah, about luck. We'll start with luck again. Yeah. Um, personally, I think I'm very lucky. I'm just a lucky person. Uh, 
For example, I got ranked number one leadership thinker. Well, why? I was brought up speaking English. The odds of being ranked number one leadership thinker, which basically means you write books, if you don't speak fluent English, close to zero. Well, it's not that I'm better than everybody else because I speak English. I just have to be brought up in an environment where I speak English. Now, we're here in my library. If you look over there, you see a picture. It's a picture of a woman measuring the arms of children. If their arms are too small, they die. She just said, no food. Your arm's too big, now you go over there, you don't get any food because you're not hungry enough. And their arm's in the middle, they got food. It's called triage. I was in Africa in 1984, and a lot of people were starving to death, and they didn't have that much food. They had to sort out who got the food and make the best use of it. Over 16, you got nothing. Between 2 and 16, you're in that line. Well, those people just as, could be just as smart as me, just as good as me. They're just brought up in a world where... They lived on farms that had quit raining. You live on a farm that quits raining, you all die. That's the way it works. Well, that's luck. They're not good or bad people necessarily. They're just people like me and you. Got a bad break. So I think a lot of life is, uh, is fortunate, break, luck, positive or negative. And when people say there's no such thing as luck, that's a little bit arrogant in my mind. They're typically successful people that want to believe that their success is a function of their own godliness, as opposed to saying, yeah, a lot of my success is a function of just random chance, happen to be standing in the right place at the right time, a lot of good things happen to me, and here I am. So I'm always one of those people that believe that um, I worked hard, I'm a smart guy, and I worked hard, that's nice. On the other hand, I'm also incredibly lucky, I wouldn't be sitting here. Before we um, end here, we always give our listeners a um, chance, an opportunity to reach out to you. So what platforms or is there an email? How can Yeah, they... Marshall, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L at MarshallGoldsmith.com. If you'd like to get that question, that feedback and follow-up article I talked about or the daily question article, send me an email. I'll send it to you. Uh, Marshall at MarshallGoldsmith.com. My website, I give everything away. It's online, www.mynamemarshallgoldsmith.com. Marshall has two L's. And uh, there's 200-something videos online and articles and everything else. So just feel free to use anything you want to, any way you want to. There you go. Well, Marshall, we mentioned luck. And I'll, I would have to say that all of us are lucky today, and I was lucky to be introduced to you by one of my clients, Jim Tenuto. So we are all blessed for that and all lucky to, to have you be a part of Bit with Trent the Gent. So thank you for your time. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Very happy to talk to you and hope that what I've said is uh, help your listeners have just a little bit better life. There you go. Thank you, Marshall. Venters, this podcast is not about me. It's about you. That said, my goal is to make sure you are getting value from the conversations. I would appreciate your feed forward in addition to your paying it forward by sharing this episode of Vent with Trent the Gent and other episodes with your family and friends. Until next time, be well.